Welcome to AMBO TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm your host, Dean, hashtag always super blessed Windsor. And today we have another great show for you. We have sermons from Montana, Georgia, and right here in New York. And first up is Fresh Life Church in Kalispell, Montana. They have guest pastor Alex Seely with them. And her sermon is titled, Taylor made and she's talking about finding our identity in God and next it's Warner Robins Georgia with Pastor Jordan Poole at Hope Church they're in a relationship series and this week he's outlining the profile of a toxic person I know you know this buzzword from 2019 so you're not going to want to miss it and lastly we're going to Poughkeepsie New York with our best friend Pastor Stephen Francis he's speaking on boundaries and how to deal with controlling people I think we all know some controlling people so stick around to hear some great advice and there's a theme here today I'll be joined in studio by Minister Heaven Burhani of First Corinthians Baptist Church right here in Harlem she's going to help us break down these awesome messages but right now let's go to Kalispell Montana with Pastor Alex. It's to still, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care what country you grew up in. He doesn't care about your socioeconomic background. He doesn't care about the color of your skin. He doesn't even care what religion you are. He just wants to steal your identity, kill your self-worth, and destroy your purpose. That's all he wants to do. It's one size fits all. Oh, and if you have a heartbeat right now, he's after you. He does not want you to succeed because he understands the power and authority that resides. And so when you're little, from the moment we're born, there are labels floating out into the atmosphere. Do you realize that our words form our world? So words have power. And whatever is declared in the atmosphere has nowhere except just to go into the stratosphere. So those words you can't ever take back, you can't ever erase. So words are very, very powerful and labels are very, very powerful. And you, from being an infant, have had many labels put on you by well-meaning people. You know, you get told you're the cute one. You're the black sheep or you're the, the naughty one or the class clown or the whatever and all these labels come on you because the enemy knows that words heal or hinder and he understands that if he can get the substitute word, the counterfeit word over truly who you are, he will corrupt the story and everything falls from that. When I was a little girl, I was raised in a family and I'm number four and my parents are Italian and they're amazing people, but uh, they had fractures and frailties like most families. And um, when we were growing up, uh, my mother had actually had two nervous breakdowns uh, by the time I was in second grade. And so she was a very fractured person, loved her family, loved the Lord, but how many know that you can be saved and not free? <laughs> How many know that you can love Jesus but have a lot of emotional baggage? And so my mother loved her family, but we were sitting around the table one particular day and we all wanted to know, you know, how you came to be. Who's the favourite? Who's the cutest? Who's this? Who's that? And, um, and it came to my story. And my mum was an incredible storyteller. You know, she would have you mesmerised for hours. And so we couldn't wait. And I'm last, of course. So I'm thinking, this is the best one for last. They're always, you know, I'm the baby. And this just comes out of her mouth. Oh. <laughs> oh, you were the mistake. You were the, you were the accident that was never meant to be here. 
And we all laughed and we all jeered, but something in my spirit just went, oh, that hurt. And I didn't know what to do with it because I was only five. And it got repeated over and over my life. And the enemy is very, very clever because what he'll do is he'll attach himself to seed and he'll water it and he'll nurture it and he'll take care of it. And when other things come at it, he then couples that with that little seed and that seed grows into a tree and it becomes our core belief system. And so coupled with the physical abuse, the verbal abuse, my mum wasn't a bad person, guys. She loved us with all her heart, but she had fractures. There was dysfunction in our family. But coupled with that, what did it do? It reinforced brick by brick the very essence of I'm not supposed to be here. I'm unworthy and I'm a reject. The enemy came in just so beautifully. See, the enemy will never come as something like, you know, evil with horns and ugly. He always comes as something familiar. Otherwise, if we saw him for who he really was, we'd be like, get away from us, Satan. But when he comes through the voice of our mother or through the voice of our father, even though they didn't mean to hurt us, it couples that we make agreements. And when we make agreements with the lie, that's when we give the enemy power. You see, truth is truth. God's word is truth. But you see, the enemy is defeated, but we give him power. We think the enemy is so much greater. We think he's really massive. We think he's just so great. Actually, no, he's defeated. But the power comes when we make an agreement. And the power comes when we go, yes, that is who I am. And so it reinforces who we are. So I don't know what label has come over you. Perhaps you're in your different cities and different campuses and and you're sitting there and all of you probably have different stories. We all have a story. We've all been told maybe by a teacher or a, a leader or a spouse or a sibling or a friend. We've been told something and we've actually lived up to that name. But that's actually not who you are. That was never who God intended you to be, whether it was well meaning or not. We need to find out who God says we are. Some of us parents, we sometimes live vicariously through our children. So we tell them what they should be. You're going to be this because I never got that opportunity. Well, what are we doing? We are thwarting the very plan that God had predestined from the foundations of the world over your life because of our fracture and because of our frailty. So it doesn't even need to be a negative label, but it could be a limiting label. What about if God has got something greater for you, but because you're living up to the expectation of man, you never fulfil the God-given destiny over your life. All right, Pastor Alex with the power of words and joining me is Minister Heaven. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. All right, so I want to get into this because we all know about the power of words and words do have power and I think some of us in in one aspect or another in our lives have felt this power of kind of manifesting the things that you speak. So if I, I have a habit of kind of beating myself up sometimes and bashing myself out loud, so if I, you know, make a bonehead move and I say, you know, am I, you know, oh, I'm so stupid for that. Right, like, right, am right, I right. wrong for that? And am I kind of speaking something into existence that I shouldn't be doing? You know, I think it's interesting because um, I was, uh, we just had a, a conversation a couple weeks ago in our, in our Bible study talking about the power of words. And I'm sometimes I'm very cautious around, you know, 
saying that words can manifest a specific thing. Okay. Um, but what I, what I would say though in regards to the words that you do speak, whether or not you realize that you're subconsciously internalizing them. So it could be mm. something as simple as like you say, I'm stupid, right? Yeah. And then, you know, long and behold, you find yourself doubting yourself in certain moments and those words you start to like internalize in yourself and then you start to live them out or you don't find yourself living out to your full potential. And you might say, like I said, you mentioned, like it's something that you just naturally say, right? When we're like yeah. working or be like, dang, that was dumb. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how can I relanguage that to say, maybe that was maybe not the smartest decision to make, okay. but that's not necessarily who I am, right? So the defining marker. So you might have made a, maybe not the smartest decision, but you're not stupid, right? Okay. And so I think that that's kind of important in how we phrase our language. It's okay to acknowledge the, the mistakes that we make and, and to, to say them with the words that we speak, but making sure that we don't take ownership of that identity. Okay, so we, we should just be very careful then. Yes. About, yeah, and then don't, uh, the repetitiveness too, like the yeah. habit out of don't it. Don't make a habit of it, you know, and I, think right. it's, and I think it's important. I mean, there are ways for you to, when you make a mistake, to say, uh, you know what, I made that mistake, but I'm still gifted, I'm still talented, I'm still smart, Got, you know, all these other all things right. that you can empower yourself with. I love it, it sounds good to me, all right. Hey look, it's okay to make a mistake, just don't be so repetitive if you're gonna beat <laughs> yourself up about it. And we're gonna be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, home of the next generation pastors. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Alex at Fresh Life. But right now, I want to get to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia. Let's go ahead and check him out. A Nazarite was not to cut their hair. And so for us, this is a picture because Samson's hair represents his anointing. It represents his gifting and his calling. That's what his hair represents for us. It was his calling. It was his anointing. It was what God instilled in him from the beginning since he was born. And so what that means for you and I is, is that each one of us, I don't care what you have done, where you've come from, how far you think you have fallen, or you, maybe you've done too much in your past, you are still gifted, you are still called, and you are still anointed by God. Come on, you got to believe that from the start of this thing, that you are still gifted, you are anointed, and you are called by God. Somebody say, I'm anointed. You are anointed. The problem when it comes to our anointing is sometimes we slip, sometimes we stumble around how to protect that anointing. We have to be people who understand how to protect our gifting, our calling, and our anointing. And I know Bell Biv DeVoe did a great job on a song called That Girl is Poison, but remove that, that word girl and insert something else into that blank. That mentality that you're around is poison. That mentality you have is poison. That relationship that you have is poison. Those texts that you think are harmless to the opposite gender, although you're married and you think it's not a big deal, that is poison. I need to slow down. I need to warm you up into this thing. It's poison. Maybe, maybe the, the conversations you, you find yourself engaging in are poison. Is it, is it the atmospheres you allow yourself to be placed in? Is it the places you're choosing to go and the people you're choosing to walk with? I think that needs to be a goal. We need to identify where the poison is coming from. Ask your neighbor one more time for me. Are you poison? Are you poison? He, he could not cut his hair. And when you have an anointing and a call from God, we have to protect it from toxic and poisonous people. 
I'm telling you, you get around a wrong person, a toxic person, a person filled with poison, it will cause you to forfeit your anointing and calling like that. But the thing about toxic things I've learned is it, it kind of don't happen all at once. It kind of just has a slow, if, if toxicity, if toxic people uh, are a drug, then they're, they're the way that they, they give it to you is through a slow drip. It's a slow drip. It's a, it's a slow erosion of your character. It's a slow decay of your beliefs. It's a slow eating away of your integrity. It's poison. We will get to all the other people. I know you want me to talk about who are poison. Because it's always, yeah, I know some toxic people. I know some poisonous people. And we're going to get there in just a moment, but what do you do when the most poisonous person in your life is you? I've noticed a few things about poisonous people. If we're talking about the profile of a poisonous person, the first thing I notice is that they're careless with their calling. Write that down. Poisonous people are careless with their calling. They're careless with their calling. In Judges 14, let me backtrack a little bit because I read you the most famous story that you probably know about Samson with this woman, Delilah. But, but there's always a pattern to a poisonous person. You can always look back over someone's interactions in life and tell where the poison began. And I want to argue today, as great and as awesome as Samson might have been, and even though he's mentioned in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews, I think he was his greatest enemy. All right, Pastor Jordan Poole talking about one of the hottest buzzwords of 2019, which is toxic people. And I think everyone kind of took that label and ran with it and everybody became a, an expert on, on who's toxic mm. and who's not, except for being able to identify if themselves or if yourself is, you could possibly be a toxic person. So you know, how would somebody even go about identifying themselves if maybe they had some toxic traits? That's a really good question, um, and I'm going to try to give my best with oh, an please, answer. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think toxic people, well, one, it's, it's interesting because I think, like you said, society has become very, you know, experts on trying to label who is a toxic mm -hmm, person. Of course. But I would probably say toxic people, one, will shift a space when they walk into it. Mm. So your energy, the energy that you start to put out will shift the space when you walk into the room, okay. whether you recognize it or not. But if you have a self-awareness, you'll start to see the people around you. You, you, shift, their, you shift their energy. You literally, the, the space becomes different when you walk into it. Um, I think that's one thing that you can really tell when you start to become a toxic person. Mm. Um, and then also, I mean, we did talk about language before. I think toxic people tend to um, inherit toxic language, mm. um, lang language that's demeaning of themselves and demeaning of the people that's around them. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, just in general, I think toxic people have a hard time with coming to a self-awareness about who they are. So I think um, Jordan Poole, Pastor Poole talked about that. They have a difficult time of saying, acknowledging when they're wrong. Ah, okay. See, now I want to get to how we can possibly detoxify ourselves. But right now, I want to get over to Pastor Stephen Francis and uh, see what he has to say today. Let's go ahead and check him out. Now, one more time, by show of hands, how many of you have someone in your life where you believe that they can be a control freak? Raise your hand. 
Now, some of you guys try to raise your hand right now, but I literally saw the person next to you say, keep your hand down or physically pull your hand down. All right. If you're if you're that individual, you don't have to say it. I know you are someone that deals with a control freak. And here's the thing about that. And all all jokes aside, many of us have been hurt by someone that was controlling. Many of us know what it's like to have an authority figure that abuses their power on somebody in order to get their way. But oftentimes the people that are controlling in our lives, they are not necessarily malicious. In fact, they're people that we love. They're people that that love us. But maybe because of a hurt that they've experienced in their life, an insecurity that they're dealing with, a fear that they have, they do everything in their power to try to control what it is you do with your life. And here are the Compton the common symptoms of individuals that may be dealing with some type of control uh, issues. Often you can tell when someone has a control problem when not only do they want things a specific way, but often if they don't get their way, they're prone to pouting. They'll whine a lot. They'll complain. They'll threaten. They'll give you the silent treatment for a period of time. They may even explode on you emotionally. And it leaves everyone around them feeling like they have to walk on eggshells when it comes to particular things. See, if we're going to talk about how do we love controlling people with boundaries, then it's important that we also understand the weapons of someone that's controlling. The controller's two greatest weapons are this, threats and guilt. Threats and guilt. Now, threats usually come in a specific way. Sometimes they're very clearly said. Sometimes they're more implied. But either way, the idea of someone that is threatening you, their idea is that you better do what it is that you want them to do or you're going to regret it. You better perform to the task level that they've asked you to perform to or you will be punished. Sometimes you'll see this in a dating relationship where the person you're dating may put pressure on you to do things that you don't want them to do, be places you don't want them to be. And they may say, if you don't do it, then I'm going to break up with you. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you. Sometimes I've even experienced certain people where they say, listen, if you break up with me, I'll hurt myself. That is controlling. We've also seen toxic areas where bosses will use their control and manipulation to get people to do what they want. Otherwise, that person can get demoted or, 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 or even lose their job entirely. And then oftentimes we see this in marriages as well, where someone will threaten with divorce or they'll say they'll take the kids away. Very toxic uh, communication that's happening to get someone to do what it is that they want. But that's how threats usually work. And again, that leaves people on eggshells, walking on eggshells. But then there's also types of guilt. And this is something that many times people will say, you know, after all I've done for you, how come you just won't do this one thing for me? Hey, I thought we were friends. You're supposed to look out for me. You're supposed to be there for me. Hey, you're supposed to be a Christian, aren't you? Isn't this the loving thing for Christians to do? They will guilt you into those things. Oftentimes we experience guilt a lot from family members. My grandmothers, I love you so much, but they love to guilt me. Every time I call, they're like, you don't love me. You don't care because you don't call. I could be dead in my house for two weeks rotting in my house and Noah would know because you never call me 
And I'm like, dang, Grandma, you going to put the pressure on me like that? Shoot. But either way, that is oftentimes the things that we feel from controlling people. They will use threats and they will use guilt. All right. Now that Pastor Stephen has forfeited his $25 check this year from Grandma for that bad impression, we're going to go ahead and talk about, we're going to stay on track yes. with toxic people. And he's talking about controlling here. Now, what kind of impact can like having a controlling partner or family member kind of have on your faith and your relationship with God? That's a really good question. Um, the first thing I would probably say is that you, that relationship can start to be the relationship that you mirror in your relationship with God. Okay. So I'm, I can take it to an example of maybe if you had a toxic uh, parent that we felt like was controlling, you will then start to feel like God is controlling, mm. right? And God is pressuring you or guilting you into doing certain things, when in reality, that's not the relationship that you have with God. And so you start to mirror those interactions. The way that you come to God will be different, and even in your prayer life, the way that you start to think about God will be different. And so that will be one thing. And then I think another thing that we, um, that we often do is that we start to make that person God. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the person that begins to control um, our, our thoughts, um, it, who, how we see ourselves. Um, and then what we start to do is we start to surrender ourselves to that person. And then we're no longer surrendering ourselves to the identity and image and the relationship that we need to have with God. And so that can be the thing that consumes our time. See, now I was completely oblivious. I was thinking having a controlling person in my life was just annoying. Apparently, <laughs> you can actually start mirroring the way they treat you. And um, look, this isn't even a relationship show, but I think I'm getting good advice today. <laughs> so with that, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Stephen Francis, but right now I want to get to Pastor Alex in Fresh Life. Let's go ahead and check her out. We've been created with a purpose. God says, I need you to stop listening to what so-and-so said about you and start reading the Word and believe who I say you are. And this is where forgiveness comes in because there's parts of our heart that get withheld when we hold those fractures and those woundings and that pain. And for very many years, I lived in, inside this shell that was Alex, but it wasn't really truly Alex. I couldn't be fully myself. I couldn't live present. I was always shy. If you look at photos of me before freedom, I'm always cowering. I'm never smiling. I'm, I'm such, I'm half the person that I am today. Even though what was wrapped up on the inside of me has always been there. It was just dormant because I chose to believe the lie instead of the truth of what was always meant to be. See, God had attributes inside of me, the way he designed me, the way he, I am with people. Isn't it incredible that ever since I was a little girl, I, doc, people would ask me at the doctors or the teachers, they, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, well, I'm not sure, but I just know I'm called to help people. You can't make that up. That is a DNA, what God was calling me into. See, I don't have a title of pastor 
I am a pastor because that's actually how God designed me. It's inside. It's my spiritual DNA. Inside of me is to pastor people, to help people. But see, I believed I was unworthy. I was useless. I had nothing to offer. I wasn't smart. I was stupid. I was ugly. So what did that do? It diminished my ability to think outwardly and help people. So guess what? My part of the kaleidoscope dulls down and the enemy doesn't need me to sin. He just needs me to believe the lie. That's all he needs because he says, if I have the people of God actually believe who God says they are, I'm in trouble. But if they agree with what I tell them, I win. And this is why Jesus had to come back and totally take the cross so that he can go, enemy, you are defeated and now I get to tell my children who they are. See, this is why I love Jesus. Fast forward, and he comes, and he says, Oh, for the joy that was set before me, scorning its shame. Do you know what that means? It means he thought nothing of the shame of the cross when it came to you. A crucifixion is the most shameful way to die during the Roman Empire. It was like today if we were to wear, you know, here I am wearing a cross with diamonds on it. It would be like me today wearing an electric chair or a lethal injection. It's shameful. I wouldn't wear that around my neck. We've beautified the cross. We've made it really pretty. But what happened is when they would put criminals on a cross on the the hill so that everybody could see them, they didn't have them like we see the statues of Jesus with a pretty little loincloth wrapped perfectly in the right position. No, those criminals were completely naked. And they were put on show because people would mock them and throw hurling insults at them and curse them and cuss them out. And that person would feel the incredible shame of being naked on that cross for days because it took days for somebody to asphyxiate and die on a cross. But Jesus said, for the joy that was set before me, scorning its shame, I'm gonna think nothing of the moment that I I'm on that cross, naked, on a hill, because I'm taking back what the enemy stole from my children in the garden. And no longer do they have to stay ashamed for any word that gets spoken over their life, but they can stand on the truth that they are free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, Pastor Alex is channeling. She is channeling she some is. of the greats. Yeah, she is. She <laughs> so is. She's bringing the energy. So how important, you know, is us kind of healing and forgiving in our, you know, in reclaiming that God-given identity? It's really, really important. And I was um, thinking back when I heard her clip about a sermon that I preached a couple months ago um, where I talked about I had how these last couple months I've really had to do some work on healing my inner child. Mm. Um, because the identity and the person that I was showing up was not the person that I thought I was showing up in. So I'd walk into spaces and I walk into a room and I'm thinking I'm showing up as minister heaven, you know, claiming this identity of who I am, but I was showing up and my little girl was showing up in spaces. And so what I had to do and I had to come to realization, you know, through therapy was that I had to do some healing work in order to reclaim the identity um, of who it was that God had called me to be all my life. Mm. And there were different voices in my head, different people, 
you know, people that I love growing up that, you know, spoke life, spoke words into me that I adopted that weren't about who I was. And so through the healing process and through that reclaiming and healing my little girl, I started to reclaim my identity, the identity of how God sees me. Mm. And so now I feel like my little girl and my older self have kind of merged together. And now in that merging process, I've, I've, I've started to see myself the way that God sees me. I love that. That's amazing. And I'm glad that the woman is here with us today yes. because you are an amazing minister and you're giving us some great insight today. And uh, right now, I want to throw it over to someone who always gives us some great insight as well, and that is Pastor Jordan Poole. So let's go ahead and check him out. Third thing is, a poisonous person, is they cannot admit they're wrong. Which is to say that they're full of pride. And when pride steps in, God is stepping out. Pride and the presence of God cannot coexist. Lucifer said, I will ascend and be like God. The moment he did that, he was cast out of the presence of God because pride had entered into him. God wants nothing. God detests pride. That's why scripture says in James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord so that he will lift you up. And when you cannot admit you're wrong, you're always blaming. Well, if they did that, well, if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have been like this. When are you going to take ownership of the part you did play? Now, granted, I understand there's some things that are done to us, wrongs and justices that are absolutely wrong. I, I am admitting that. But, but, there are times we play roles in things like Adam and Eve. God came and asked Eve, who told you to eat from the tree? Why'd you eat from the tree? Or excuse me, he asked Adam. Adam goes, it was this woman you gave me. God goes to Eve, why'd you do that? And she said, it was this snake you made. Is anybody going to take ownership? Poisonous people cannot admit they're wrong. Samson, he, he, is, he has not taken any ownership for anything that he has created. No reflection time that we see recorded in the scripture that he's alone with God and God's talking to him, saying, you need to go make things. None, none of that, just on to the next. Destruction destroys, on to the next. Because poisonous people cannot admit when they're wrong. But I think you can. I think I can. I think we're going to be humble enough people to do that. Let me, let me give you three sub-points under this cannot admit they're wrong. We got to be big enough to admit we're wrong. We got to be smart enough to figure out why it went wrong. And we got to be strong enough to correct it so it won't happen again. Big enough to admit I'm wrong. Smart enough to figure out why it went wrong. Even if that's admitting, hey, I did this, I recognize 
the role I played. I said something that hurt you. I did that. I shouldn't. I, ownership. Big enough, smart enough, and then strong enough to correct it so it won't happen again. I can handle mistakes. I can handle one mistake. I can handle two mistakes if it's the same. I can handle that. One mistake, hey, we live and we learn. Second time, we'll chalk it up to learning and you're growing. If it continues and you know it hurts me, it's no longer a mistake. This is a choice. All right, Pastor Jordan Poole, he's given three strikes here, but you know, what about people who are really struggling with something? Like personally, I've had problems in my life where I've needed more than three strikes. I had multiple screw ups before I finally got something right. So, you know, if you find yourself you know, dealing with somebody like yeah. that in life, are, should you back off? Should yeah. you, you know, if they're at a point where it's been too much or should you still be trying to help? Well, you're not the only one, just to, you know, okay. affirm you. you. <laughs> we, we, are, we have all made plenty of mistakes and continue to make them. Um, but, you know, I think it's, that is a multifaceted answer. So I will say it really, one, it depends on the relationship, right? So I'm not married, but I could assume that somebody who is married, three strikes you're out doesn't work, right? Like you are committed to this person. Yeah. And so you have to work through all the different challenges. But what I will say is the measurement that I usually use is I've had people in my life where... I know God has called me to be in relationship with this person, um, whether it's a friend or whether it's a colleague, and to walk through them with this journey. Because it was one, probably it's a journey that I had walked through, and so I knew I was the only person that I could be there for them, to kind of guide them and help them and sort of work through that. And God has put those people in my life as well, mentors and relationships. Um, but then the other side of it is also for those that you got to realize when your limit is up. And so when, when something becomes toxic for you and, it, uh. and it's, it, you feel like um, it's no longer good for your own self-care, then you have to walk away. And you can say, look, I love you, but I can't be there to walk this journey with you. All right. Okay. So look, you can help. But if it comes to a point where it's starting to really affect you and hurt you personally, it's okay to back off a little bit. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take another break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Jordan Poole, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie. Let's go ahead and check him out. Any relationship that you do not like, you are not a victim of, you are a volunteer in that relationship. And the better you understand that, the better you understand that the relationships you have are things that you've purposely manifested, are things that you've passively allowed to flourish, the better you can take action. Because the other thing we need to know, once we have that understanding, is that if you don't like what you have, change what you expect and what you accept. This is what Jesus did in this moment with Peter. This is what we need to do in the relationships that we have with other people. And can I be the first person to let you know? Because I know sometimes we can get you gassed up here and then you leave and then you do it and then it, it don't work out. Let me be the first one to tell you that if you decide to take this home, you're gonna have some challenging conversations. 
You're going to have some people flare up and get mad and give you the silent treatment, pout all the things that I said before. But that's because, like Proverbs mentions, you're going to get the you're going to get those that have been controlling you out and you're going to build a wall to be sure that the right things come in. So some of you need to go home today and when something happens, you need to be bold enough to say, you know what? I love you. I respect you, but you're not going to talk to me that way. Hey, listen, I know I've, I've tolerated this in the past and I know it feels like I'm changing up, but that's not how this relationship is going to go anymore. I don't like that. I don't think that's appropriate. Hey, listen, uh, I know we've gone through some rough patches, but you're not going to use the divorce word in this house as a way to threaten me. Hey, listen, I get why you're upset. I understand these things, but at the same time, I'm not bailing you out. This is on you to figure out. That's difficult, but it's necessary. And even though this moment that happened with Jesus not too long ago with Peter was definitely awkward, I'm sure that it was very silent at dinner later on. Peter never spoke to Jesus like that again, recorded in scriptures. The relationship was healthier and better for it. And great news, they remained close, even closer than they were before because they had this conversation. And I believe that's the same thing for us too when we take advantage of that. You know, truth be told, this is things that we do with children all the time. Many of us have had a moment where we've had a toddler or a young child in a store and they freak out because they want candy and we say, no, that's not what we're doing. We're not gonna allow that in here. And sometimes they'll throw a fit, they'll pout, but we still hold firm unless they're going for like 20 minutes and now everybody's looking at us and we're starting to feel the pressure and then we give them the candy. That's unless, of course, you're someone like my parents um, who are old school and uh, not from the United States, so they had no problem being sure that the coast was clear and then lovingly but firmingly letting me know that this behavior will not be tolerated and that there will be some consequences privately. That's, I don't know if people still do that anymore. That's just the way I was raised. I'm just letting you know. But before we finish, I want to change things up real quick. We've spent so much time talking about how do we handle controlling people in our lives. But in the moments that I have left, I want to talk to you if you're the controlling person. If you're the individual in here that's been hurt, that's been living in fear because of things happening in the world, and your way of dealing with it may be insecurity, but your way of dealing with it has been trying to control everything in your life. You know, there's some people in here right now where you might be in church as a way to think that you can manipulate God into doing what it is that you want him to do. There may be even some other people in here that are having a silent treatment with God because they thought God owed them something and he did not show up the way that they thought. Maybe that's you in here today. I know that that's me. But can I give you something very challenging but I believe will be also healing? You know, at the time that I'm preaching this, less than a week ago, 
we found out the tragic news that uh, NBA legend Kobe Bryant, along with uh, his daughter and six other members uh, on a helicopter ride, lost their lives, tragically. And I remember my wife told me, she was the first person to find, find out about it. She told me that Kobe Bryant passed away. And I said, no, that's not true. That's fake. That's impossible. And I think the reason why I felt that way and the reason why many of you also feel that way, felt that way when you heard the news, is because that just doesn't seem like it's going according to plan. That just seems like that's not supposed to happen. But it reminds us brutally once again that it doesn't matter how much money that we have. It doesn't matter how much success we have in this world. There is little we can genuinely guarantee ourselves. There is little that we have true control over. And I believe that God was just upset about this passing as we were. But I also believe that we serve a God that is the author and finisher of our faith. And those things happen, things will happen in our lives that we don't have control over, that will shock us, that will hurt us. We still have a God that will work all things out in the end. So can I encourage you with this truth today? That if you are a control freak, then you need to let go and let God. It doesn't matter how much you try to manipulate and control your spouse, your kids, other people around you. You cannot be a better God than God is. I mean, that's something I wouldn't try to do, but hey, apparently some people do. Yeah. Now, uh, as far as career goes, right? So letting go and letting God is something we hear all the time, but, right. and I'm full well, I, I know that God has control over my life, but you know, sometimes I do see myself kind of wanting more, going yeah. harder, looking for, you know, the next thing. Is that kind of contradictory to this whole letting go and letting God ideal? You know, I don't, I don't know if it's contradictory. I do think that um, it's a little complicated. Um, I was thinking about the letting go, like P.J. Morton, his song. Okay. You know, I'm always like, oh, let go, let God. But as I've gotten older and I'm thinking over, um, you know, I created a vision board this year. Okay. And there are certain things on my vision board that I know that I have to be a co-creator with God on. Mm. Like there are certain things that I'm going to have to actively work um, and put things into the universe, put things in place for those things to come into fruition. And then there are some things on my vision board that I know, okay, that has to only be God. Like there's nothing I can try to manipulate. And I think that was one of the key words okay. that the pastor mentioned is that it's not about necessarily not trying to work towards something, but when you find yourself manipulating the situation mm. to try to make something happen that you know God has not called you to do, mm -hmm. I think that's when it becomes a bit of a problem. All right. So maybe you know a, a quick example could be somebody who is trying to work their way up in a job yeah and may use some messed up tactics in order to get there that's kind of yeah so no you know no going to hr and telling them sally <laughs> sally cursed you out even though she didn't that. yeah so it's that yeah. kind of thing is where it becomes a problem yeah, and, and there might be a reason why God has you in that season, in that particular time, and you're trying to manipulate yourself to try to get to the higher position when God is saying, you know what, you got to rest in this season. There's some more things I need to teach you before you get elevated. All right, I love it. See, look, letting go and letting God isn't as easy as we thought, y'all. And we're going to go ahead and take another break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV.
And I looked up the definition of special. It has several meanings. It means better, greater, otherwise different from what is usual, exceptionally good or precious, belonging specifically to a particular person. That's who you are. You're special. You're special in the eyes of God. And he says, now live up to who I've called you to be. All right, Pastor Alex of Fresh Life wrapping it up for us. And as we do at the end of every show, we ask our guest to please give the folks at home a scripture that kind of ties in to the clip that we just watched. Of course. So um, that clip made me think of Psalm 139, 14, which says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are God's works. And today I just want to remind you that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are special, that you are the embodiment of infinite possibilities. And today creation is truly waiting on you to be who it is that God has called you to be. I love that so much. I legit was sitting here in prayer with you. Uh, Minister Heaven, thank you so much for coming, please. Thank you so much for having me. Well, please tell me that you'll come back again at some of point. Course, of awesome. course, of course. yes. And uh, to our partnering churches, Fresh Life Church, with guest pastor Alex, Hope Church, with Pastor Jordan and Valley Christian, with Pastor Stephen. Thank you guys for those amazing, inspiring messages. Please keep them coming to see the complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to ambotv.com. We always have amazing content there for you guys. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you guys for watching. I love you. Good night, and we'll see you next week.